Hello, I'm Chris Kreitcho, and this is the New Rust Nation podcast, a show about learning the Rust programming language. This is bonus episode seven, katas, or learning by doing. First, an apology and a bit of explanation for the delay between episodes. In the last 10 days, I've traveled something like 4,800 miles between going to a conference and then going to my little sister's wedding. I've been a little busy. There are a couple reasons I'm not at this year's RustCon for Rust Belt Rust conferences, but one of the biggest ones is that this is just too much travel for me. Gladly, the rest of the year is much slower and things should normalize a bit pace-wise from here. Now, a couple quick bits of news and updates. First, literally as I record this, the first RustConf is going on in Portland. Video from the conference will be made available after the fact, and you can bet I'll be watching it. One particularly interesting and fun thing related to New Rust Station, as you may recall from when I interviewed him, Rafe Levine is presenting on his work on the Xi editor at RustConf, so I'm particularly excited about seeing the recording of that talk. Second, a couple neat things from around the community more generally. First, I mentioned Claudia Dapioslash's work on gaming and Rust in a previous episode. Now, she and a few others have launched AreWeGameYet.com, which highlights the state of tools for building games in Rust. So if that's an interest of yours, definitely check it out. And that also reminds me that if you haven't taken a look at them, you should go check out areweideyet.com and arewewebyet.org to see the state of IDE support and web development, respectively, in Rust. Those are community-maintained resources, and they're really informative. In fact, they're where I got some of the information I'll be talking about later in the show. Third, some updates from the Rust core language itself. There's a great discussion around direction and vision for the Rust language in 2017 on the Rust Internals Forum, which I'll link to in the show notes. There is a lot of good discussion about where and how to focus efforts to improve the language's adoption. You should read it, and you should chime in if you have thoughts. Also, there is now very, very early, very much alpha-level support, but support nonetheless for incremental compilation in the nightly builds of the compiler, and there is ongoing work to support that with Cargo. That right there is some of the long-expected fruits of Mir landing. You can go back to News Episode 1 to hear a bit more discussion about Mir if you're interested. This should help the change compile test cycle a lot for Rust, especially for large projects like Servo or Rust itself. Now, today, I want to talk about how we learn things. This came to mind because I was playing with the programming language Elm a little bit a couple weeks ago. I've been interested in Elm for a while because I write JavaScript for my day job, and I like JavaScript, but it has some pain points. There are a lot of times when I find myself wishing I had things like we do in Rust, things like good enumeration types or strong types in general. And while things like TypeScript give you a lot of that, it's a great language, Elm is much more like Rust than TypeScript is. They're both descended from the ML family. And They have a lot of similarities of philosophy, an emphasis on usability, a high degree of practicality, and so on. And there are some great guarantees around Elm, people talking about going for months or over a year in some cases, of having no runtime exceptions in their Elm code base. I would love to have that kind of performance and behavior in my JavaScript code base. So I was trying to pick it up a little, sort of for the sake of work and experimentation around that. Also... 
in the last year or so, I've gone back to this same one problem in JavaScript a bunch of times just to try out new ways of solving the same problem. It was actually an interview question that I had for the job I currently have at now. And as I learn new techniques for solving problems, I'll go back to this one particular simple little problem to solve it with those new techniques. This idea is not original to me. It's often called katas after the training techniques you might find in East Asian martial arts. The idea is you take a problem which you know how to solve, so you're not fixated on understanding the problem domain, and you solve it over and over again in the same language as you learn new techniques or in new languages as you begin to familiarize yourself with the new language. The point is not so much the problem itself. You can figure out how to solve these fairly straightforwardly a lot of times, though, of course, there are hard katas out there. I know of one person who likes to write markdown parsers as one of his, and that's not a trivial problem. Basically, the point is to take a problem you understand well, which you already know basically how to solve in the big picture, and apply the new language, the new technique, the new framework context, etc., to that problem so that you have a place to sharpen those specific technical skills rather than to work on understanding the problem. So I took this test, this code test, and dived in with Elm. And it took me a couple hours, even though the original solution I wrote in JavaScript many months ago was constrained to half an hour, and even though I solved it easily in that time. In this case, it took a lot longer because I was learning Elm. I was learning a bunch of libraries that I didn't know. I was learning the tooling and the compiler and all of that. But it was very informative. I came out feeling much more capable with Elm than I had when I went in, even after just a couple hours, because I used this kata technique. So then I thought, why don't I take this and broaden it out even further with Rust? Now, you might say, well, how is that broader? It, you already know Rust decently. And the answer is, well, Elm and JavaScript are already in browser setups, and Rust isn't. So I took this as an opportunity to expand my knowledge of the server and HTTP ecosystem and HTML generation ecosystem in Rust. I pulled in a bunch of crates that the Rust community has put together in that way. I grabbed Hyper for making HTTP requests so that I could get the data from the server where it lives. I pulled in Serde for deserializing the JSON payload. I pulled in Pencil, which is a micro framework inspired by the Python Flask framework, very, very lightweight, for then serving the actual rendered page. I pulled in the Handlebars Rust crate so that I could generate simple HTML templates with the actual data once I parse it the way I want to. And what that did is it let me get a feel for each of those crates, and it Perhaps more importantly, let me get a feel for what solving these specific problems in a rustic way feels like. I've done a lot of other little things in Rust along the way in the last year and some change since I started learning it, but I haven't done this specific thing. I've never tried to generate web pages with it. And so I took a problem that I knew fairly well that I had solved already in two different languages and about four different times, perhaps five, and used it to deepen my familiarity with Rust just as I had done with Elm. And it paid off. I understand each of those crates, not especially well, but a lot better than I did before I started in on it. So I encourage you to adopt this technique. Run with a problem that you already know how to solve and 
use that as a way to deepen your understanding of something else so that you're not fighting both the language and the problem at the same time. As a rule, the best ways to learn things in programming, at least in my experience, are to do them and to teach them. And as I said back in the very first episode of this show, almost a year ago now, that latter approach, teaching, is one of the big reasons I'm making the podcast. It's helping me keep learning Rust while very busy with other things. And doing things like katas fits in that category too. I may not have time to write a large program in Rust right now, but I can write a little one solving a problem I already know how to solve and get better at the language along the way. So go do a kata, pick something easy, but do it and learn how to do new things with it. Thanks, as always, to the sponsors who help make the show possible. This month, the sponsors included Chris Palmer, Daniel Collin, Rafe Levine, Stephen Morosky, and Vesa Kailavirta. Thank you guys for sponsoring the show again. You can, of course, see a full list of sponsors in the show notes, and you can see the top tier on a dedicated page on the website. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, you can set up recurring contributions at patreon.com slash newrustation, or give a one-off contribution at a variety of other services listed at the show website, newrustation.com, where I also have links to the other things I discussed on the episode. You can follow the show on Twitter, at NewRustStation, or follow me there, at Chris Kreitcho. And if you enjoyed the show, please tell others about it. Help others find the show. You can rate and review it on iTunes, recommend it in another podcast directory, share it around on social media, or you can, of course, just tell a friend. And that goes a long ways. Also, please do respond. You can say hello on social media, shoot me an email at hello at newrustation.com, or interact in the threads for the episode on the Rust user forum, Reddit, Hacker News, or Lobsters. I really, really do enjoy hearing from you. Until next time, enjoy your katas. Happy coding. <laughs>